Inside Track on Real Estate with Ken and Yetta Decker of the Decker Team. Get the Inside Track, everything you need to know about buying and selling in the greater Ottawa area. The Inside Track on Real Estate with the Decker Team. Welcome to the Inside Track on Real Estate with the Decker Team. I am Yetta Decker, and I'm here with one of my favorite sidekicks today. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Who am I with? Ken Decker. There you go. I, hopefully you are not surprised that that is one of my favorite. I didn't say favorite. Oh, you better say favorite. Okay. Favorite. Favorite sidekick. And I'm going to have to challenge you. Am I your favorite sidekick? Absolutely. Okay. And today we're going to talk about a topic that is probably not anybody's favorite because it's that elephant in the room sometimes. Yeah, when I first watched it, it was actually a video. Uh, well, the you know, topic's not. No, the topic's about multiple representation, and and you know, really, we're going to educate on how that can yeah. function very, very well. And what the areas of precaution are. Yes. What are those things you want to think about and be aware of and understand it? I think there is absolutely the reason I say it's the white elephant in the room is because there is the potential for conflict of interest mm -hmm. in a multiple representation scenario. Yeah. And a multiple representation is simply where the same brokerage is representing the buyer and the seller, or it might be two buyers who are interested in the same property. Right. That could be multiple rep as well. Right. And then, of course, there's multiple offers that could happen on a property. Yeah, that's one where, other story. Which is an entirely different conversation. So we're going to touch on that as well because it is another area to navigate where you may have multiple offers and multiple rep, mm -hmm. multiple representation. Why are we short forming it? Because there's only so much room on the paper. I meant in our <laughs> language. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so multiple representation. And then multiple offers on a specific property or two entirely different things. And then sometimes the two meet. They actually show up in the same sale together. Mm -hmm. And so we want to make sure that you're informed, that you understand it, so that when you come across it, if you come across it, it isn't scary. It isn't something that's going to get the better of you. It's not something that's going to be negative. It's something that, in fact, can be incredibly positive. Mm -hmm. There's some really neat advantages. Yeah, and we're in... going to hit on some of the disadvantages, some of the advantages, so that you can be fully informed whether you want to go into it or not. Exactly. Really. And so there was a video that was primarily focusing on some Toronto real estate transactions and real estate agents where somebody went undercover and positioned themselves in multiple representation situations. And where it's multiple offers. Because right. that market is super hot. Right. So Toronto market, you got to understand... You know, property will come up at $700,000 and it might sell for 100000 more and multiple, multiple offers on it. And people get into a frenzy where they're attempting to buy a house and they get frustrated because they lose one, they lose one, they lose one. And then when they find one they like, after losing several, they'll sometimes go crazy amounts higher 
to make sure they get it. Right. And that's not commonplace for the Ottawa market. So some of the things that were on that video, obviously, are not sensationalized for the Toronto market. And yet, if you were to apply them to the Ottawa market, it doesn't even come together that way. No. The things that are happening there aren't really even possible well, to happen yes, yes in the same degree. Not the same degree. But you could still have... The problem is, really, the you know, they found out which agents were doing most of the double-ending. We call it double-ending when you're representing both ends of the transaction, the buyer and the seller, in multiple, rep- in multiple offer situations. And some of those agents were not necessarily following our code of ethics. Right. And so that video is out on the internet. It's, it's, uh, it was on a TV show. And it really made the real estate industry look bad. It right. really did. When I looked at it, I actually felt sick to my stomach. Mm-hmm. felt really bad for our, for our professionalism and for our, our business. And well, for the clients. Yeah. For the people that are out there that would potentially come across people that are doing business in an incredibly unethical way. We were actually away for a few days on a learning excursion at the time, and I watched most of it. It was hard to watch. Yeah, and I, and I think... I think I've talked to several agents in Toronto who actually knew the agents based on their voices or their tattoos or whatever, and they said, yeah, that's, that's not good, and they feel really bad about it as well. So um, fortunately, we, do, we are governed by a RICO, which is the Real Estate Council of Ontario, yeah. which has teeth. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can fine, they can suspend real estate licenses. And, and they, they do. Can, and they do. They do. And they can remove them permanently. Yeah. So uh, when, when agents do things that are really against their code of ethics or against the law, yeah. uh, they, they can lose their livelihood. So it's serious. So, well, of course it's serious because yeah. it's impacting potentially you as a homeowner or a home buyer that's looking to either sell a home or buy a home. Because even in these scenarios, it's possible to disadvantage the seller. Not only is the buyer at risk here, both parties Mm -hmm. in this video were shown to be at risk. Now, more often than not, it is the buyers. The buyers that don't get the Buyers that don't get it. And even the buyer that does get it, because sometimes the... Um, things that are done that aren't ethical mm-hmm. cause somebody to pay more for a home than they ought to be paying. Yeah, so let's let's talk about the things that we do yes. when we have multiple representation, the how we handle it, what the code of ethics is, and how we actually put in a couple extra layers of protection because right. we want to be above reproach when we're working with well, two people. we don't people. want to be, we are. Yeah. Well, we, we, want, we are, but also you want to appear above reproach as well. Yes. Because yes. sometimes you can do something that's right and it still may appear outsideward. Outsideward, is that a word? No. No. Anyways, you can feel from the outside that that was not fair. Right. And so our goal today is help you to understand multiple representation. And then from there, you will have clear understanding. There's lots of stuff on the internet about it. Some of it's accurate. Some of it's inaccurate. Of course, any of the things from our board 
and from the Ontario Real Estate Association are accurate in some of it's written in terms and language that is confusing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? So we're hoping to make it straightforward and simple because we do find it in our experience to be a very simple process. Yes. So let's talk about multiple rep for a second. Multiple representation. Multiple representation. So Perfect. Um, when we're serving a seller, we've signed an agreement, we're under contract to look after them. Then we also may have found a buyer who wants to work with us. And when and I say us, with? it could be Decker team, it could be anyone in our brokerage. So we have 125 agents in our brokerage right now. And there's over 3,000 in the real estate, Ottawa real estate board. Right. So the odds of multiple rep are low. Right. And when Ken says in our representation, thank you. (laughs) And when Ken says multiple representation, and when he uses the word brokerage, he's referring to Keller Williams Solid Rock Realty, which is the brokerage that we happen to own and have the privilege of serving clients through, as well as serving realtors. Mm Hundred and twenty-five of them. Yes. Right. And the brokerage. Right. Works for the brokerage. Right. And we have five realtors on our team. Right. Exactly. And so there's, although multiple representation, and this is something that is sometimes confusing to people, multiple representation, and even to agents, actually, when they're first getting into the industry and trying to wrap their brain around it, right, Mm -hmm. is that the Decker team is the person that signs the contract with you, whether we're signing a buyer contract or whether we're buying signing seller paperwork, seller contract. And it's actually the brokerage, Keller Williams Solid Rock Realty, that is bound. Yeah, that's that, who the contract's with. It's not with us personally. Right, because the way real estate is done in Ontario is that it is the brokerage that holds the response, the final responsibility and the final say, and that's mm-hmm. who your relation, your contract is with. Yeah. Even though you may never meet the 125 realtors, and you're going to hopefully have exclusive care by the individual or the team in our brokerage. So the Decker team works under the umbrella mm-hmm. of Keller Williams Solid Rock Realty, and it could be an individual agent working under the umbrella, or it could be a team. Yeah. So it's any time that a buyer and seller are represented by the same brokerage. Yes. So if, for argument's sake, one of my associates at the office will say, Bob, for a minute, has a contract with somebody that is buying a home and he's representing the home buyer with with proper paperwork and doing everything well, and brings that buyer to a listing that's held by the Decker team, whether it's myself or Ken or Candace or Linda or Ryan, any of the team members, then that is still multiple representation. Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of people, they have understood multiple representation to be that if I have a listing, have a seller contract, and I have a buyer contract, and those two people decide to buy this buy and sell the same property, that's the only time multiple representation exists. It does exist there, and it also exists if Bob from my company brings his buyer yep. to our listing. 
So what we do to protect is quite often we'll have two different people, either on our team or in the brokerage, one to serve the buyer, one to serve the seller. Now, in the courts, it's still deemed, it's called imputed knowledge, that mm-hmm. whether we know anything about that listing or not, because they're in our brokerage, it's considered that we know all the personal confidential information of the seller. So when we separate the two people, we just have a little layer of, of protection of not saying things that we shouldn't say. So because right. all information, when we have two clients, when we have a client, all their personal information is confidential. Things like uh, why they're selling, how much either how much they're willing to pay, how much they're qualified to, uh, how much they're willing to take. Bottom line, all those things. What you know, what their motivation is, they're desperate or not. All that stuff is confidential. The only thing we can disclose is things about the property, price. Uh, listing, condition that we the, make, the, the price, listing price. The listing price, yeah. not a price that somebody may That's right. accept or may pay. Right. So when we're representing someone, we can act like a negotiator if we're not multiple rep. So if we're just representing the buyer, we can negotiate to get them the best price, best value, whatever. And we do all the research and provide this, the buyer under contract, all the information that you would need to make a great decision on pricing. Now, when it comes to multiple rep, where, where our brokerage is representing the seller and the buyers what, together, we can give the same information. We give all the stats of what's sold, similar properties, relevant properties, and then Because we've up, committed to do that. I mean, this is a careful distinction. That's well, it's, something... part of, it's part of the fiduciary responsibility right. to a client. Right, And because we act for both parties, now we have to be a mediator as opposed to a negotiator, which then we just say to the buyer, how much would you like to pay based on the data that we've provided and the property and how much you like it and the condition of it and everything? And they'll say, well, we'd like to play X. Well, then we take it to the seller. And again, we don't negotiate with the seller. We simply say to the seller, here's the data of what's sold. This is what the buyer is willing to pay. And are you willing to either accept it, reject it, or counter it? And if you want to counter it, what would you like to counter it at? So we give options and information so people can make wise decisions. We're just not that extra level of guidance where we say, ooh, maybe you should take this or maybe you should pay more or that kind of thing. We, we just can't go there. Right. So we will do always a thorough job on the front end. Mm-hmm. So we will have already discussed what we anticipate, if it's a seller, what we anticipate the property will sell for, what the statistics are, what the relevant property information is. So we really already have done that work long before multiple representation happens. Mm-hmm. So I think that's an important distinction of something we've chosen to pay careful attention to. Even though multiple representation is in the single digit under 5% of the time that it actually happens in the Ottawa market. Mm-hmm. It's very uncommon. Now, there's certain pockets where it may be a little more common, and yet it's quite unusual in the Ottawa area because 3,000 realtors and because our geographic area is so spread and just the way real estate is done here and the fact that, for the most part, we're either a balanced market or a buyer's market. I think it has a little bit of an impact on 
the how much of that happens right how much of that actually yeah. takes place now some of the other things we do to protect both people and by the way if you're just joining us you're listening yeah. to the inside track on real estate with the decker team and ken and yetta decker are with us or with us <laughs> <laughs> i talk ken, in the third ken, person yeah, all the ken, time ken's here and yetta's here yeah and uh, so we're discussing multiple representation and how to protect your interests if you go into multiple representation and first of all there's full disclosure about the different types of representation before you sign any contract to sell or buy a house. Right. And then there's disclosure again in the actual contract where you're signing up with the real estate company to represent your interests. And then there's disclosure a third time, and that's in the confirmation of cooperation paper, which goes right before the offer does. So it's full, full, full disclosure. And then the other thing we do, because multiple rep has that hint of possibility of conflict of interest, we put a clause in to protect both the buyer and seller that makes the offer conditional on independent legal counsel for several days so they can take the offer to their lawyer and say, hey, does this look like a reasonable offer? Is there anything in it that, you know, anything in the conditions, anything that I should be aware of that might be a problem? Right, because we're not sending it to the lawyer for opinion on value because they haven't seen the properties. They probably don't know what real estate values are. So it's not independent legal counsel around the value of the property. It's around the way the offer is written, the clauses that are in it, just the general content of the actual paperwork that you're taking to your lawyer to review. We will already have provided you, as Ken said in the first half of the show, all of the market relevant data so that you know what your home should sell for and you know what you likely ought to pay for this kind of property. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes we do get that multiple offers. So we have a seller that's got you know very popular property or we priced it aggressively on purpose to get multiple offers and get the best market value we possibly can. Uh, sometimes it will be our own offers as well or offers within the brokerage. And so we, we do a couple things. First of all, mm-hmm. we disclose only the number of offers to the other agents. That's the only information and, we're, and when we're going to present. That's really the only information that we give to the other agents. Everything else right. in the offer is private, confidential. And when we say other agents, that is even the agents if they're on the same team, yeah. even agents that are in the same company, or agents that are from another brokerage. Obviously, the only time the agent would know the data is if I personally was working with the buyer and I personally was working with the seller. And you're still not going to give that data. No, I'm not going to share the data. It's just in that particular case, the agent would have the data. And that is less than probably once a year that that scenario presents itself. With a team, we really work to avoid that by using one of our other team members on the other side. So the only time, and I can think of a couple of times where I have actually been in that scenario over my almost 30 years in the industry, and it was when I had a very deep relationship with the buyer I had a very deep relationship with the seller and it had already been going on for months or years in that case. And we just so happened to know that the right house for them was the house that we also had listed. And there it's really just a beautiful marriage. Like they already know the values. They've already been educated. They're already in the know. So really it's just 
a coming together of two parties, and yeah. it's actually a beautiful thing yeah. when that happens. That's really, really now, rare, though. Yeah, and when we know that we're going to have multiple offers, one of the things we do mm. is we'll let the other agents know yes. how many offers we have. Many of them will uh, put it in an envelope, or if it's emailed in or faxed in, we'll ask that the office seal that in an envelope because we don't want to see it in advance, especially if we have another buyer that we're representing. Uh, and then a lot of times they'll meet us at the office with our seller there, and several of the buyers may show up with their agents. Right. And really it's, it's, it's almost like a... Well, it's not like a silent auction because a silent auction, they get to see the amount they're bidding against. You never know what you're bidding against. So <coughs> most of the time, what we tell our buyers is simply put in the value that you would be happy that you didn't get it. If it well, was, right up if to it that. Sold, if it sold for more than that, you know, if it sold for $500 more or $2 more or $5,000 more, whatever it is, what, what we hate to see is our buyer go, well, I would have paid that. Because there's no, generally there's no second chances. When you're doing multiple offers, generally they open them up. Quite often they're over-asking. The seller generally is going to go, oh, well, this one's the best one. It's got the fewest conditions. It's got the best price or whatever. And I'm going with that one. Now, not always no. does the highest price get the property. And that's where sometimes... Um, mm -hmm. You know, emotion comes involved, a letter to the seller explaining why the property is good for you or whatever. It doesn't always work. Sometimes it does. And so we're, we're well-versed in helping buyers do that type of thing as right. well. I just had a scenario last night, actually, where we did, in fact, get a couple of offers on a property. Now, neither of the offers were ours, so we weren't in a multiple representation scenario. We were actually, it was two different brokerages. It wasn't our own brokerage. So that was a little bit simpler, and yet we're still dealing with some of the same methodologies. Mm -hmm. So we still have to advise, once we actually have the hard copy of the offer, all the agents that have said they might bring an offer, we in fact go one step further. We phone everybody that's shown it mm -hmm. that hasn't said absolutely no, we don't like the property. If they've said there's no way we're going to buy it, then there's not a lot of point for the phone call. Otherwise, we phone them and say there's even either no feedback received or neutral feedback or positive feedback. Hey, we've received an offer. Would your clients be interested in an offer we're presenting or will likely present by such and such a time? Let me know. And so did that the other day, was able to generate a second offer, which was fantastic, and then let the first offer know that we'd gotten a second offer. Mm -hmm. He then chose to improve his offer that buyers did, which is pretty common. When you think you're the only offer, you may come in differently than when you know there's more interest. Right. Came back in, and then when I phoned him last night, the first agent, to say that, Thank you very much for your increased offer. Very much appreciate it. And my sellers have decided to choose the other offer that came in second. Um, he said, well, my folks would have paid more. And I was in shock. He said, I would have liked another chance. And I said, I gave you another chance. Like, I've already done this. And so I still don't think, from my seller's perspective, this one was still enough below the other one. There's no way it would have come to where the other one was, right? So there wasn't, there was no loss for my seller, 
and yet disappointing for their buyer because they didn't get to put their best, best foot forward. Yeah. And yeah. they could have. So putting your best foot forward in a multiple offer scenario is vital. Mm-hmm. Now, some people will think, uh, sellers as well, that if we're going to sell the property both sides, then we should reduce the commission. The fee for service. The fee for service, yeah. And what I've discussed with them, and it makes total sense, is if you look at the financial numbers, whether we take that buyer and sell them someone else's property and bring a buyer to our property, then we make the the same commission, right? So why should we be penalized for selling with our own buyer our own property? Because... The goal when we list the property for sale is to attract a buyer for the seller. That's exactly what they're paying us for. So they're, you know. That's, that's exactly what you're yeah. paying for is allowing us to take the risk of marketing and doing all the upfront mm-hmm. costs and in the hopes that we find you the buyer that's prepared to pay the most, most money. The other reason for not negotiating the fee when you're in a multiple rep, especially when there's multiple offer, is you now have to disclose that all the way through the chain and it creates a lot of confusion and a lot of chaos. Yeah, there's, a, there's rules around disclosing that. Now, we have a couple properties we'd like to talk about. Already? Yeah, I think so. And if you have, so just going to backtrack for one second. If you have questions around multiple representation or multiple offers, we would love to have that one-on-one conversation with you. In mm-hmm. fact, also host workshops on home buying and that's one of the topics we actually cover there as well in a in a group setting and where you can actually ask the questions and others may ask the question that you wish you had the answer to because it is one of those areas that is um, potentially tricky and potentially scary Mm -hmm. and so we are here to answer those questions in whatever way you require us to answer them yeah so 613-860-4663 would be the number to call and then the property we have, I, I'll talk about one. We have a property just by Algonquin College. It's a great investment property if you wanted. It's, it's listed for 430000 It's a bungalow. Uh, one, two, three, four bedroom. Or the, the fourth bedroom can be converted to a dining room. It's got French doors. Uh, very nice property. Brand new uh, shingles on the roof this fall. And it has an apartment, a one-bedroom apartment in the basement. An in-law suite. In-law suite, which is currently rented. And the upstairs is currently vacant. So great for owner-occupied. And the the rental in the basement will pay some of your mortgage. Or you could use it as a rental or student rental even because Algonquin College is right beside it. And that bungalow is for $430. Yeah. And another great property, actually not far from there, um, in the city as well, on Sandcastle is a beautiful condominium, a one-bedroom, one-bath, plus parking, uh, great property, only 159000 So, I mean, really, really affordable. And it's like top floor penthouse, isn't it's it? It's pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, if you have interest in a condominium apartment, that one, which is incredibly affordable, or something that's even more luxurious and more pricey, because there are so many available right now that are beautiful spots to call home. We'll give you the details on it and actually love to show it to you. Mm-hmm. So we're glad you joined us on the Inside Track. Remember, we love to answer your questions. You can email them to info at deckerteam.com. That's info at deckerteam.com. 
www.thepurpose.com. And uh, we also would love to take your calls, 613-860-4663. And your question may be on a future show. And even better than that, if you'd like to be on a future show and join us because you have a topic related to homeownership, not just real estate as in buying or selling real estate, anything to do with living in a home, caring for a home, involved in Oh, we would love to have you as a guest, especially if it's a show we haven't done before or a topic where we can come from a totally different perspective or angle. So let us know if you'd like to join us. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us on the Inside Track on Real Estate Today.